You're now listening to Real Estate Journeys with Matthew Baltzell. Me on the top and I won't stop me. Me on the top and I won't stop me. Me on the top and I won't stop me. Me on the, me on the, me on the top. Yeah, 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 yo. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Matty B, a.k.a. Matthew Baltzell. Welcome back to Real Estate Journeys, the exclusive podcast for new real estate investors looking to grow their brand and their business. So guys, I know a lot of you out there are looking to maybe jump in or maybe you've already jumped in and you are thinking about having a long and prosperous real estate investing career. And our guest is doing just that. He's been doing well for the past, I believe, three plus years now and he's killing it. So I wanted to bring him on. His name is Zachary Beach. Zachary is a young and ambitious entrepreneur with a current focus in real estate investment and real estate coaching. He currently is helping build two family businesses. Both are focused on real estate investing. One is actually buying and selling entities, and the other is focused on coaching students and associates around the country, reach financial freedom, and enjoy the life of entrepreneurship. With that said, Zachary, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Hopefully, I can take your uh, audience on a on a nice real estate journey and and uh, allow them to kind of peek into the future if they want to stay consistent and and kind of get after this get after this type of niche. Uh, real estate has done a lot for myself and my family, and uh, I can only wish the wish that people can stumble upon it and 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 really stay focused on it to, to create the life of their dreams. Mm, yeah, definitely. I know we, sp- we, we touched on it before we, we started recording, but as far as consistency is concerned, can you speak a little bit more about uh, how that's attributed to your success thus far? Yeah, uh, I would say consistency is, is one of the number one things that you got to focus on. Uh, when, we're, when we're first getting involved in real estate, and about three years ago, I was as green as green can be. I had zero real estate experience. I was actually a bartender and a personal trainer. Uh, I just happened to uh, dive into the business and, and work with uh, my father-in-law and, uh, and brother-in-law, who actually had an extensive real estate background. Um, but I would say consistency, especially from the beginning when uh, when things weren't always going right, like especially when we're ner- learning a new, a new niche and a new craft. I mean, it's it's not always fun. But if you consistently pick away and learn at those skills, then eventually you start to master them, um, and then you can have a nice, prosperous, you know, real estate business and, mm. and uh, investment portfolio. And when you first when you first started out, how did you get? Do you remember when you got that first initial itch to do uh, real estate? Did you go into single family homes? Is that correct? Yeah. So we we focus primarily on single family homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Actually, our niche is uh, buy and selling on terms, and mm. what that means is you buy and sell on lease options, owner financing, um, and also buying subject to the existing loan without using your own cash, credit, or asking investors for money. Mm. Um, so always focusing on single-family homes. We have done some commercial, uh, but that was more of a you stumble after you do it after you you know have done enough deals you start to stumble across some of these properties and if the numbers make sense then you move forward on it and then to answer your original question it's 
I didn't really have a real estate like uh, itch. Uh, I just I was bartending personal training uh, and I was burning the candle at both ends. And I just figured, hey, there's going to be a better way. So that's when I reached out to my family and said, hey, I don't know if I'm even going to like real estate. I just figured it's going to be a lot better than what I'm doing right now. And then, uh, you know, luckily, as things progressed, uh, I ended up really enjoying it. And now, you know, get to help other people uh, create their own business as well. Very cool. Can you take me through that first deal that you did? Yeah, uh, I can take you through the first deal, and I'll tell you, it's not going <laughs> to. It was a negative. <laughs> You're not going to like this story. Right You're not yeah. going to like this story. Yeah, right, I, I'd love lot, to hear. No, it's fantastic because uh, you know some deals don't go don't go right, uh, but as long as you learn from your mistakes, then you're able to craft up the next deal to be better. Mm. First deal that uh, I did uh, from start to finish was a. Uh, it was an older property. It was probably built in like the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people aren't familiar with New England. Um, I'm in Rhode Island, so I we bought in Massachusetts. Uh, there's a lot of these houses out there, yeah. like pre-colonial times. So I bought it. I talked to the seller. Uh, we purchased it subject to the existing loan. So so what that means in, in layman's terms is the person was selling the property for what it was worth uh, mm-hmm. or selling the property for what he owed. So just to use some numbers, uh, say his mortgage on his house was 220000 Uh-huh. We bought it for two hundred twenty thousand. Okay. So what we did is we actually close on the property. Okay. So we'll close on it. We'll take title, but the existing loan on the property actually stays in place. So if he if he if he still owed, we'll just say twenty thousand on it. You that still stays on. Is that correct? Yeah. So let's let's even use it. So all right. So we closed on it for the exact balance of the mortgage. Okay. So if his mortgage was two hundred and twenty thousand, a hundred and Twenty dollars. That's exactly what we closed on it for. Okay. And then his mortgage stayed in place, so the mortgage did stay in his name. We just take title, so we control the property, and we are now liable to make those payments. So we didn't have to go get new financing. We don't use banks, so we just went and uh, went and closed on that. What uh, what ended up happening is so the way we always sell our properties is through our rent to own program. Mm. So we sell property to people that aren't necessarily able to go get financing from a bank today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tends to fall into two categories. Somebody that had a legitimate hiccup in their credit and they need time in order to get, um, in order to boost their credit. Or someone who's self-employed, who uh, banks, uh, especially in the United States, tend to show that they need about 24 months worth of seasoning. So the, the buyer has to show that they actually make X amount of money for two years. That way they can go get a loan. Um, so we sold it that way. We actually we're, we're always able to collect a nice non-refundable deposit. But once we had the tenant buyer in place, they actually did a um, uh, they went and checked for lead. Who did the the the, the rent buyer? The buyers. Yep. They checked for lead because if they had some younger children, we. Asked the seller if he had any knowledge of lead. He said that there was no knowledge of lead in the property. It was an older house. That's our fault. This is where we made the mistake, right? Uh So we didn't double check. We we were too trusting on that. Uh, It's 100% my fault, right? I was just trying to get a deal done. I was trying to prove myself. Um, So we had to go get the property de-leaded. So uh, that cost us about $30,000 to de-lead the property. Oh, God. So a couple cool lessons here, though. (laughs) Uh, So number one, you know, don't be as trusting. Make sure you're always uh, crossing your T's and dotting your I's. Uh-huh. But number two, because we actually had financing, meaning we had credit lines set up with our company, yeah. it's not like it bankrupt our company. It's not like it really even hurt us. What happened was 
we took our credit lines. We spent the $30,000. We had the people come in and, uh, and de-led the property. Um, and then as we did more deals, we just paid down the credit line. And it was probably after just a couple of deals that, that, that $30,000 was gone. And then throughout the process, uh, as they were still in the house to buy the house, uh, we were collecting a, a rent payment every month. So we were collecting a nice spread. And then uh, actually the property, those buyers defaulted, which is probably about one out of every four. Uh, they defaulted and uh, we actually have it up on the market. It should be a total profit on the back end of like $70,000 because the market mm. did appreciate. So uh, fast forwarding, is that what you're doing uh, primarily in your investment strategy is owner owner financing kind of? Yeah. So our main strategies are buying on a, a lease purchase uh-huh. or a lease option, yeah, lease as they're known. Uh-huh. Um, owner financing, which is a fantastic strategy. Uh, and or leaving the financing in place and taking title like on a subject to deal. Mm-hmm. Those, are our, those are our primary strategies. All of them are set up for you to not use your own cash uh-huh. because you're leveraging the asset that's already there, not asking investors for money so you can lay your, your head on, down at the pillow at night uh-huh. no matter what the market does, um, and then not use your own cash or credit because your company is signing and you're signing as the manager of your company. Mm-hmm. So all of this is tied to because back in 08, my family members were were hit by the crash yep. and they had to dig themselves up for a long period of time. So now our primary strategy is buying this way so that way we can sleep at night. Um, we're able to help out sellers in, in positions where they couldn't typically sell their property, buyers who need time to get financing, uh, and then we get to make a nice profit in the meantime by kind of sandwiching the whole thing together and getting creative. Mm-hmm. So when somebody's taking over a... Uh a lease option. So you you find a property, you you take it you take it over, and then you lease it out to someone that's trying to basically purchase that property. Correct? Yep. So uh, let's let's just run through a, a typical deal. So yeah, yeah, please. Uh, so I'll call a seller, okay. and primarily we're finding these leads from uh, expired listings for sale by owners, for rent by owners. So I'll talk to a seller. Uh, I'll agree upon a price with a seller. Or essentially what we're doing is we're locking in their equity. Yep. Um, once we do that, we will then uh, take over any and all responsibilities of the property. So mortgage, if there's a mortgage in place, taxes, insurance, uh, any and all future repairs, any and all responsibilities. We handle that. What we'll then do is we'll, as soon as we have that property under contract, we will then look for a tenant buyer. So someone who just needs time in order to get financing, um, but you know has a down payment, uh, has the debt to income ratio that allows them to afford the property. Uh, and then we put together a game plan on to get them to the finish line where they can go get their own mortgage. Mm-hmm. So once we have a buyer, we will then uh, collect a non-refundable deposit, which counts towards the purchase price. Um, and then we will collect the spread every single month because what we're doing is we're going to collect like a rent and then we're going to pay the mortgage and all of the all the taxes and the insurance. We'll collect a nice spread there. And then once the property cashes out, meaning the buyer goes and gets their own mortgage, because that's the end result, uh, then we'll get paid on the back end as well. So we call it our three paydays. How much is uh, the initial deposit that the renter has to put down? Is it a percentage or is it two months rent or is it three months rent? Or how is how, that determined? Yeah, typically it's anywhere from three to 10% of the purchase price. Okay. Because uh, we want to deal with people who, or we want to work with people that actually want to buy the property. Uh-huh. We don't just want renters that may buy it in the future. So yeah. there is a there is a non refundable deposit on average. 
tends to stretch between like five and seven percent. Uh huh. And then the, the 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 typical the typical person that would rent there put on a two year plan. Is that correct, or does that vary from renter to renter? Yeah, so it's going to be very customized. So we use a, a third party that will do a background check. We'll find out their debt to income ratio. Um, we'll check their credit scores. Absolutely everything. And then what we'll do is we'll take their non-refundable deposit. We'll take a look at their background, their debt to income ratio, that all of that. And we'll and uh, the third party will determine their mortgage readiness date. Mm. So if it's if they do X, Y, and Z, they'll be mortgage ready somewhere between say. 20 and 24 months or 24 and 36 months. So we'll have a really good uh, idea of when they'll be mortgage ready. And then we'll craft up the entire agreement around that. Uh, so that way we give them enough time to be successful. And then after 24 months, uh, if they're not in a position to buy the property, do they do you just renew another option for two years or do they just become renters at that point? Or do you put it on the market or how does that go about uh, it's going to be deal by deal or, or house by house. So if we own the property, and we have a lot of time, meaning, um, so let's say we buy owner financing and we have like a 10 year balloon that if somebody can't get financing in the first 24 months, uh, and they bend great with us, then we can always extend it. Mm. Um, if we're on a really tight timeline and say we bought it and we only had, and we agreed to a seller to get them cashed out in say 48 months. And they just uh, and they weren't able to uh, qualify in 24. Then you know you were only dealing with another two years. So we got to be picky on uh, if we're going to give them an extension or we're going to take it to the traditional market. Um, because I mean the end result is we want to make sure all parties involved uh, are getting what what we all agreed to. Hmm. What what is there a certain percentage of people that uh, partake in the lease option? That uh, what percentage would you say? go through the whole process and do acquire the property? Yeah, I would say it's about 75% of people, of our buyers, uh, which is very high for the, which is for the niche. But yeah, uh, it's it's because we have all these check marks set in place and our overall philosophy is, you know, we actually want people to become homeowners. We want to be that bridge to homeownership. So we make sure that we don't accept anybody that we don't think can truly make it there. Uh, and then also we're making sure that these there's checkpoints in place throughout their lease in order to make sure that they, uh, number one, get enough deposit in to uh, help them get financing. So let's say, for example, somebody comes in with 5% off the deposit, I mean, off the purchase price. So now we'll help them throughout their 24 months get as close to 10% as possible. That way, when they go get financing, the bank sees they've paid all their payments on time. They have 10% down. It's, it's much easier for them to now go get a loan. Mm. So we want to try to make sure that's successful. But the other quarter or the other 25% are in default typically because of one reason or another. But what we commonly see is uh, a life event happens. They didn't foresee. They lost a job, something like that. They can't do it. So they simply hand over the keys and they move on. Uh, or if they don't follow the exact plan, which is we, we laid it out for you. And if you do A, B, and C, then you're going to be able to get a loan. But it's people that don't follow that process that end up defaulting. Um, and that's, that's primarily a life choice on their end. Mm. Now going back for people that maybe are hearing this strategy for the first time, uh, going back to the seller, what would be the benefit for the seller to give it to you? Why wouldn't he just put it on the market himself and just sell it? What, what, what would, what's the benefit for him to give it to you guys? Yeah, great question. So, um, some of our sellers have already been on the market. So an expired listing have already been on the market. 
Um, and now they've kind of been seasoned and spit out the other side. A, a couple common things we see is somebody that wants to net the most money on their house, but has the ability to wait because uh, we don't have realtors involved typically, so they can save on the commissions. Uh, we could typically pay full market value and sometimes even a slight premium, depending on the option, as long as they have the ability to wait, you know, three, four, five, you know, even some of them even 10 years uh, for their balloon. Next, maybe somebody who is selling for exactly what they owe, like on the first first uh, deal that I did, uh, and don't want to come out of pocket. Right? So they, they don't want to come out of pocket. Maybe it's uh, for mortgage relief. Uh, they don't want to continue to make payments. It's a second home. Um, now we can kind of swoop in, help them out, uh, and have a net uh, break even, and that way they're not coming out of pocket. Other ones uh, would be somebody that couldn't sell their property on the traditional market based upon layout or another, a number of other things where they've been on with a realtor and the market simply said uh, that this is going to be a very niche down property and uh, the traditional buyer didn't want to buy it. it. Yeah. It could be another thing of like a uh, layout uh, or maybe even the, the seller didn't want to continually go down on their price in order to just get it done. So again, somebody that's looking to put a little bit more cash in their pocket. So that's typically what we see. And then, I mean, there's a number of different scenarios, but that would be some typicals. Mm. And with the with your with your uh, investment strategy, what markets are you guys uh, looking in? Are you looking in the Northeast, uh, East Coast? Where whereabouts is your portfolio largely consist of? Okay, so uh, we are, we're in about sixty different markets right now. Oh wow! Um, okay. Us as a family, we buy primarily in uh, southeastern uh, New England, so like Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut. Um, but we also, uh, through SmartRealEstateCoach.com, we actually partner with people, or what we call our associates. So we lock arms with people, uh, and we help them build and scale up their business, and we split profits. So, oh, very cool. Um, we're in about sixty different markets throughout the throughout the country, and our philosophy always is. Just buy where you are. Buy and sell where you are. Um, I don't. I don't think you have to do a lot of remote. I, I don't think you should be just focused on like Midwest uh, properties if you live on the West Coast because you feel as though the medium the medium price range is too high and it's not going to fit. Uh, I'll tell you, we have people that are in L.A., uh, Washington D.C. Actually, Washington D.C. We buy a ton of property, and that's probably one of the most translucent uh, areas in uh, in the country. And uh, we have people in Florida. Uh, so we're in some really hot markets and then we're in some really cold markets too. And the truth of the matter is it just really comes down to the individual and in uh, numbers. So mm. if the individual investor is looking to, is you know willing to put in the work, willing to learn the skills, then they can always build a business. Mm. Um, and if you're, of course, in a, in a really hot market, well, it may take you more leads in order to acquire a property. But also, once you have that property, it's probably not going to take you very long to sell it mm -hmm. um, compared to a slow market where you may be able to acquire like uh, our associate Don, who's out in uh, like Scranton, Scranton, Pennsylvania. So mm -hmm. like <laughs> like the middle of Pennsylvania, <laughs> uh, like Amish country, Amish country. Yeah, he only he only focuses on one uh, one lead source. He only talks to four sale by owners and has uh -huh. done a bunch of deals. Uh -huh. and, and so you know, as far as that goes, he only has to like focus on one lead source and he's building himself a nice business mm -hmm. um, compared to, say, myself, who's in a in a really I'd say it's a hot area between southeastern mass and yeah. in a vacation destination here down in Rhode Island. 
Uh, so we have to have multiple lead sources coming in, and we probably have much higher amounts of leads that we need to acquire in order to, to get these types of deals. And what's the best way that you're acquiring uh, leads right now? Uh, so we use a we just use a, a lead source uh, called My Plus Leads. Uh, they give you for sale by owners, expireds, uh, and for rep by owners at a, at a pretty good price too. So we just do a lot. We just literally our business is built upon like talking to sellers and buyers and uh, and then working through our, our systematic approach of follow up in order to make sure that we're constantly staying in contact with these people in order to get these deals done. Very cool. So I guess this is two separate questions. What are the what are the returns that you're looking for as far as like the family portfolio? And then what kind of returns are people looking for um, that you're coaching up to start their business and be associates for or associates with? Yeah. So in uh, in our view, it's really more or less um, the the deal in itself as a whole. Uh-huh. Uh, on average. Uh, I'd say all three paydays, so the non-refundable deposit spread that we collect every single month and uh, the principal pay down and the back-end profit of the initial premium, those all add up uh, to roughly about $75,000 per three paydays, so each property. And that tends to be across all markets. Like say if we took all the average deals and we do about five to 10 a month with our associates, all the average deals, and it tends to fall right about the seventy-two dollars to $75,000 all three paydays. So it's it's not like we have to have a specific amount of net profit coming off of it. It's mm. we're definitely in the people business. So it's okay. Well, am I dealing with a seller? Am I working with a seller who's easy to deal with? Who's flexible? Uh, who's open minded? Who's who can understand the process? Uh, and then also to to the back end, it's okay. Do we have buyers that we truly want to help and and truly can get to the finish line? Because uh, really, what you're doing is you're leveraging a seller's asset. And then you're putting it in the hands of a, of a buyer. And in the meantime, you're kind of managing the, the deal. Um, so it doesn't really necessarily come down to numbers. It's more or less the overall deal in itself. And, and uh, you know, I would say the easier the deal, meaning the easier people are to deal with, then the more likely we'll do that deal even if there's less profit. Hmm. Is, there, uh, is there an average purchase price for your single family homes or is that just vary from market to market? Uh, it would vary from market to market. Because like in Washington, D.C., I would say we're doing deals that the average deal is probably like a $500,000 house to like seven hundred fifty or $800,000 house. Uh-huh. Uh, compared to, let's say, some like rural markets here in Connecticut, it's like one ninety to two ninety nine. But it, it's it's pretty amazing, though. After you do all those types of deals, like they all relatively add up or, or average out to a rel- the same same scenario, which is anywhere from, say, $75,000 depending on the length of term to it's like 150,000. Mm, very cool. It just depends on how you buy it. Yeah. Depends on how you buy it. So you've been doing this for three plus years now and you've been, you're doing very successful at it. Where do you see your real estate journey in five years? Yeah. Um, I'd say myself and my family, we're extremely focused on helping other people mm. build and, and scale their real estate business. Um, you know, we have two events a year now. Uh, we just put out our second Amazon bestselling book, uh, we have a, an amazing we have amazing program called QLS, but we also have programs that are, are sent around that, uh, and it's all built upon uh, building this amazing community of what we call our Wicked Smart uh, Investors or our Wicked Smart Community, and it's just building that community and putting together a bunch of like-minded people to help each and every one of them build out their business. Um, we have a lot of fun doing deals, and that's why we still do deals you know, each and every week and every month. That way we're constantly in the trenches and, and still on the cusp. Uh-huh. Uh, but 
I find my most joy in coaching and watching people grow and prosper and seeing uh, the effect that they're able to have on not only their family and their business, but just all the other buyers and sellers around the country that they're now affecting. Mm. Yeah, it's got to be very rewarding. And you guys, you guys have a podcast too, is that correct? Yep. Uh, you can, it's a smart real estate coach podcast, smart real estate coach podcast.com. Uh, yeah, we, um, we're coming up on our hundredth episode. I'm not sure when this is going to be released, but maybe the hundredth episode will already come out. Very cool. Well, that's, that's, that's great, man. Congratulations. Well, cool. It sounds like you guys are doing very well and I, I've learned a lot and I'm sure our, our audience members have learned a lot about you guys' processes and, you know, with your associates programs. Uh, I would like to close it out with the final three closing questions here for you. First question is, Zach, what is your favorite book to regift? Oh, I've had some uh, some good ones lately. lately. Um, I'll give them. you I'll give you two of them. Yeah. Um, and they've been, uh, leadership and self deception uh, by the Arbinger Group. Okay. Uh, if if anybody's a leader out there and or that communicates within a group, um, it is absolutely mind changing. Uh, perspective has been absolutely changed. Uh, and the second one is I'm, I'm diving through it right now. It's called the Trillion Dollar Coach. Okay. Uh, and that is uh, about Bill Campbell, uh, who's the who is the coach of all the major tech companies over the last like twenty something years. Mm. It's definitely more of like a management style book. Yeah. Uh, but absolutely fantastic. And then I'll give you one more, which is always my favorite. Uh, you were born rich by Bob Proctor. You were born rich by Bob Proctor. You know, I, I've listened to Bob Proctor a lot. I've never heard him, I never heard that book, but I'll have to check it out. Like, it was his first book. Mm. Very interesting. All right, third question. What is yeah. a pain point or weakness you face right now in your business? Yeah, uh, as always, I, I think I can, I think as we uh, kind of grow cohesive as a group, uh, I'll tell you, if you don't, if you own a family business, which is something that I'm highly, uh, I'm involved in, uh, once you kind of get past the family, uh, so it was like originally like me, my brother-in-law and father-in-law, my wife at one time, uh, and then now we've grown out with employees. So I think it's just, Constantly building that cohesiveness in the group um, and making sure we're all on the same page. So more of like team management is something that always needs to be worked on because we only can grow uh, as, as much as our team grows. Very cool. And Zach, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, so why don't we do this? We'll give them uh, our free book uh, or, or give them a book for free um, because uh, – and we won't pay for shipping, no handling, nothing. So absolutely free. Don't have to put your credit card. All you have to do is give us your, your address and we'll send it to you. And you can find that. It's our new Amazon best-selling book. And it's called, and you can go to the website, newrulesforfree.com. So newrulesforfree. And you'll find our Amazon best-selling book, The New Rules of Real Estate Investing. Um, 24 leading experts revealed their real estate secrets. So it's a lot uh, it's, it's a great read. You're going to be able to take a look at other niches as well. Mm. Um, but me, my father-in-law and brother-in-law have some chapters in here. Plus we make some additional comments and notes, uh, as you go through the other investors, uh, chapters and, and you really can pull some really cool nuggets. So again, that's new rules for free.com, hundred uh, percent free on, on your part. We'll ship it out to you. No shipping, no handling, no nothing. Very cool. So that if they want the book, they'll be able to go to that. And I'll, I'll include that in the show notes below. And what if somebody wants to contact you? Is there a best email to reach out to you at? Yeah, I would just uh, hit support at Smart Real Estate Coach. That'd be the best thing. And just put in that you heard me on uh, the Real Estate Journeys podcast. And 
Uh, I'll make sure that Lauren, who runs that email, uh, will make sure I'm in contact with you and, and we can always set up a, a time to chat uh, as we do a free 15-minute strategy call. So I'd love to love to speak with you and do anything I can do to help. Very cool. Well, Zach, thank you very much for being on the show. You're a highly valued guest, and we'll catch you on the next go round, my friend. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Journeys, guys. Your support is greatly appreciated. And if you found this content to be enjoyable, valuable, or entertaining in any way, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, leave a comment, and a five-star review. Peace.